Okay, today we uh, begin a journey through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the letter uh, we call Philippians. And it, um, like Ephesians, is one of Paul's so-called prison epistles, meaning he wrote it while in prison for his faith and witness, pro- probably from a prison cell in Rome around, around the year uh, 61, A.D. 61, uh, you can read of Paul's experience in Philippi as he started a new church there in Acts chapter 16. Remember, I always uh, encourage you whenever you come to these letters, go back to the book of Acts and, and read about the founding of these different churches. Um, in this case, it was a terribly difficult experience that, that also saw, though, a remarkable move of, of the Spirit of God. It was there that Paul and Silas were dragged by opponents of the gospel of Christ into the city square. They were stripped naked. They were beaten with rods, <laughs> thrown into prison. But it was also there that uh, while in prison, or well, before he was in prison, he saw the household of Lydia saved. But also when he was in prison, he saw the Philippian jailer and his family uh, come to faith in Christ after a miraculous move of God. Um, God was moving among the people of Philippi and Paul but Paul's experience there does show that it was a physically dangerous place to be a Christian and stand for Christ. So um, as we begin reading through the, the brief letter that Paul penned for the young congregation as they struggled to be faithful and obedient to the Lord, let's consider a couple of things that we find in this first chapter. Um, and uh, first has to do with finishing what he started. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention what Paul says in in verse 6. Paul wrote in verse 6 one of the most comforting and encouraging verses in all the Bible for the Christian. In verse 6 he says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was explaining why he constantly thanked uh, God for them in his prayers and his reason was not because of his confidence in their faithfulness but in God's faithfulness to finish the work that he started in them. Paul credits salvation from beginning to end to God alone. First of all, he acknowledges that when they trusted in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, it was in fact God who began that good work in them. Why did they first believe? What caused them to choose to follow Christ, even as they watched Paul and Silas be stripped naked and beaten with rods for following Christ? Why did, even with all that, why did some choose to follow Christ? Well, Paul does not hesitate to say, that it was God who began that work in them and brought them to faith in Christ. Their choosing of Christ was simply an outward expression of God's first work in them. And because that's true, Paul was equally sure that God would likewise, in verse 6, bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Why, Paul could easily wonder out loud, would God start something that he never intended to finish, especially when heaven and hell are in the balance? The fact is, God does finish what he starts, which is why we believe that once a person is genuinely converted and comes to faith in Christ, there is no uh, losing it or becoming lost again. Uh, God God is the one who starts it, and he brings it to completion. Jesus himself promised this in John 6. We've seen this already. When Jesus said in, in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And he promises over and over again to raise, raise up on the last day everyone who comes to him in faith. This is such an encouragement uh, to every Christian, and even more so 
uh, to an embattled and struggling congregation like those faithful believers in Philippi. All glory to God. But the second thing I'd mention briefly is, is what he says in verse 21 where he famously declares that to live is Christ. What does he mean by this? He means that his whole life, every aspect of it, every moment of it, exists for, for the glory and service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the, the context of the verse where immediately afterwards Paul says things like, if I'm to live on in the flesh and my desire is to depart and be with Christ, verses 22 and 23. So the context tell, tells us that Paul is reflecting on the time he has here on earth and what the meaning of it is and how every moment the Lord chooses to give him ought to be spent. Paul's answer, Christ. Not only do we live through Christ, we also live for Christ. We are all such idolaters, choosing so often to live our lives for so many other lesser things. Paul says here, though, Christ is your reason for being. Think every moment on what that would look like if lived out in your life in that way. Finally, to die is gain. That's, that's how he famously completes verse 21. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. There's not much to add here. It's simply the case for the Christian that, that uh, death has been completely overcome in the resurrection of Christ. You see that at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. And all that is left is, is reward and unending joy. We go to the end of Revelation and see that. We claim to believe this and yet still live our lives as if what we have here and now is all that's worth living for. Um, th this world is put in proper perspective when we view it in light of eternity. And not only eternity, but an eternity of gain that can't be found in this world. We need to develop a, a distinctly and overtly Christian view of the world and of history and the unfolding of it uh, and see the world and our lives in it through the lens of God's word. Uh, for those who live for themselves, death is still full of dread. But for those who, whose life is Christ, even death is gain. There's a few thoughts from Philippians chapter 1.